I'm Courtney Lundeen, and welcome to the Elevate Motherhood podcast. Do you find yourself wishing you could have more moms, sisters, and friends encouraging you and pouring into you, inspiring you to live as the mom God has called you to be? Too often, our culture minimizes the role of motherhood, but I believe that being a mom is a high calling, and we're answering the call and stepping up to the plate. I love simplicity and efficiency, habits and routines, but my favorite part of life is being a mom. If you want practical strategies to lighten your load, simplify your life, let some things be easy, and make room for what matters most, you're in the right place. I'll remind you that every blessing and provision is God's and help you reflect that mindset in your homes and to your families. Thanks for joining me, friend. I'm glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Elevate Motherhood podcast. As always, it's a privilege that you're listening to my words, and I pray that they are a blessing to you. I thought I would give you guys a little behind the scenes on how I plan these episodes. Back before I started this podcast, when I was still wondering if I could do it, I wrote out episode titles and outlines for some episodes on a Word document on my laptop. I just listed tons of titles and topics, and I still have that list, so I just keep adding notes to each episode as I think of things. And as the outlines fill up, I just kind of know when it's time to do that episode. And I'm always in prayer about it. So if you're trying to figure out exactly when my new episodes come out each week, at this point, I'm still trying to figure that out too. So one thing that I love and I foresee being a theme to some podcast episodes is the concept of letting things be easy. Have you ever thought about how maybe we make some things harder for ourselves unnecessarily? Like, we are subscribing to some rules that maybe don't need to be rules. One thing that comes to mind automatically is how it seems like my mom's generation all fully believed that laundry has to be separated by color. I grew up with, like, stacks of laundry in our laundry room, but couldn't wash my purple shirt because it's a light color load right now. Better wait. (laughs) And I know certain fabrics do bleed, and if I get a brand new red item, I don't wash it with a bunch of white clothes. But for the most part, we have learned that we can mix colors in clothing in the laundry machine and everything turns out fine. So maybe that was a rule that we didn't really need to be strictly following for the most part. Another rule that I personally think a lot of people subscribe to that it might be kind of weird that I don't is the rule that we have to keep every piece to a set. Like if my daughter gets a set of six pairs of socks and five are super cute and one has like a design of an ugly kitty on it or something, I'm immediately going to put that pair in the donate box. I just don't even think we need to keep that pair of socks if we're never going to wear it. It's not going in her drawer. Or for kids' toys. If my son's wooden train set came with 50 wooden trees that he never sets up and they just make 50 extra pieces for us to clean up each time he dumps out the box, I'm not keeping the wooden trees. They're going straight to the donate bin. I know that may sound ruthless and I don't mean for it to be wasteful. Keep them if you want to. Maybe have a bin in the garage for extra toy pieces that you don't feel like getting rid of, but maybe you also don't want to deal with them each time your kids play with certain things. Let it be easy. Unsubscribe for some rules that don't work for you. So how can we apply this concept to other areas of our lives and let things be easy? I love thinking about this kind of thing. We will explore some ideas for this throughout the podcast and some here on this episode today. Along these lines, have you heard the term decision fatigue? Decision fatigue is basically making decisions all day long, to the point that your brain is fatigued by it, to the point of being less able to make decisions as you go. 
you either freeze up and become unable or unwilling to make decisions at all, or you're making poor decisions. You may feel like you are fighting fires mentally all day long. You aren't reserving your brain space and decision-making for things that actually need your attention and the best decision-making ability. So how do we combat decision fatigue? One way is to create a baseline of habits and automation. We automate things that we do each day and reduce the mental space required to complete the task. We create rhythms, routines, systems to support the lives that we want to live. It's essentially pre-deciding something that you're going to have to do at some point, but you decide ahead of time before it becomes urgent. You know when you're driving in your car to work or your kid's school or someplace you go very regularly. You aren't constantly reading each street sign as you go by, wondering when you need to put on your blinker. You can probably think about other things as you drive and you're able to get there easily because it's part of your routine. It's partially automatic. It's muscle memory. You may have a favorite recipe that your family loves that you make once a week. Maybe you don't have to measure out the olive oil anymore. You can eyeball it. You have this ingrained in your muscle memory. It's automatic for you. It's not contributing to your decision making. That's why having less choices or less options makes it easier to make decisions. If you go to the mall to go shopping and there's a store where everything is nice and neat and spaced out and there are only a few options of each clothing item, you are actually more likely to find something you want there and enjoy shopping there. But imagine those stores where there are hundreds of items all crammed together, even if everything is less expensive there. It takes going in with a really good attitude to sift through everything and find things that you want. You have to combat the decision fatigue of sorting through all the things you don't want. Not to mention the effect that the clutter plays in our decision making. But that's another topic for another day. This is also sort of why a common approach to parenting toddlers is to give them two options about something. It's time to go to the car. Do you want to hold your baby doll or your truck while we are in the car today? That works better than saying, okay, stop playing, let's go to the car. Giving limited options makes decision making easier and we feel good about the quick wins. When we are talking about intentionally setting up some habits, routines, and automations, this does not mean that we are setting ourselves into a hamster wheel and we are trapped by our new routine. Actually, we are more able to move away easily from that routine and add to it because something about it is automatic. You're automating the mundane or repetitive parts of life, so your brain is freed up for the parts that are truly special. One example of this that I'm thinking of that people commonly use routines to make things go more smoothly is prepping the night before so that your morning goes smoothly. There are just a lot of variables in the morning, especially if you have little kids. Kids are not always doing things exactly the way we had planned. And life seems to go more smoothly if we have given, us, given ourselves some margin. So in the morning, if we give ourselves some margin, we can help kids while, while remaining calm and collected. If our kid is having a rough time emotionally for some reason, but we haven't made our coffee yet, or we have no clue what to eat for breakfast, we're still looking in our closet and we don't like any of the clothes that we see. We aren't going to be able to react well for that kid or for ourselves. But if we prepare the night before, have some habits and routines in place, we are more easily able to step off course and give that child a little extra attention while still being able to complete our morning task. Maybe you prepped your coffee the night before, and you have a couple of breakfast items you know are always available because it's something you've decided a while ago. You edit your closet regularly and you don't hang up clothes that you really don't like and you never wear. You can more quickly decide what you want to wear because your closet contains things you like to wear 
even if that means it doesn't hold quite as many things. So when your kid's having a tough time, you are flexible, adaptable, and you have already given yourself some margin to handle those situations with grace. Another phrase and concept I like that fits here is something I learned from the Lazy Genius podcast hosted by Kendra Adachi. If you like the simplicity and how-to parts of my podcast, you should 100% follow her because she is the queen of this stuff. I linked her book, The Lazy Genius Way, in my Instagram stories the other day as one of my top two books about habits and efficiency. I will link to it here in the show notes also. But Kendra has a method of reducing decision fatigue, which she calls decide once. Basically, it means making a decision ahead of time to reduce the decision fatigue as you go throughout your day. She says, decide an automation on the things that feel stressful to you. Try to use fixed decisions to give yourself more margin in the areas that you can. And she also says, live in the season. So you can decide once on something for this season and for as long as it feels like it's working. Then when it feels like something isn't working anymore, you stop doing that thing. It also takes the pressure off deciding once. This isn't a decision forever. This is a decision for right now, for this season. Doesn't this all sound great? I hope there are some other nerdy people listening to this who love this kind of thing like I do. Or at least I hope that you're intrigued to see if you can apply some of this to your life. Next time you're frustrated with a chore around the house, ask yourself, could I let this be easier somehow and see what you come up with? Are you adding in unnecessary rules or unnecessary steps? Is there something about this chore that you could automate or decide ahead of time? This is not an episode on decluttering, but I will say a lot of times the answer to a frustrating chore is to have less stuff in the way. If you have to sift through a pile of 23 old ratty towels to find the only three towels you ever use and like, maybe you could just get rid of all those towels you never reach for. It's easier to do the laundry when the only things in the cabinet are the laundry soap and the stain removers that you currently use and reach for. As I mentioned already, I think it's easier to focus and make decisions when we're not surrounded by so many physical items, especially if looking at those items gives us a mental to-do list. Like, I look around my house and I think, oh, I need to clean that out. Those shelves are dusty. I still haven't returned my friend's dress. Stuff like that. Clearing out physical clutter does help reduce the mental clutter too. The next example, I hesitate to even say the words meal prep because I admit I am not qualified to give advice in the kitchen, but maybe that makes sense as to why some of these things do apply to the kitchen because that's an area that's difficult for me. One thing I heard the lazy genius say once is meal prepping is simply deciding what you're going to eat ahead of time. If you don't meal prep, you still have to decide what to eat. You're just deciding at the last minute instead of deciding ahead of time. As soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, maybe I can do that. (laughs) So for me, I'm starting with breakfast. I already have a couple of options for the kids that we always have available in the pantry or fridge. I know every week to check and see if I need to add these things to my grocery list. Since this is a podcast for moms, well, it is a podcast for anyone, but I have specifically called out moms. I will share some examples because it helps me to have specific examples of what other moms do. I almost always have Kodiak waffles, Costco peanut butter, and Costco maple syrup in our fridge. I almost always have the Veggies Made Great brand of frozen chocolate zucchini muffins. I almost always have Stonyfield kids yogurt tubes, which we keep in the freezer instead of the fridge, and we call them yogurt popsicles. We almost always have eggs and the Costco version of the kielbasa sausages. 
So that's what we have available for breakfast. And each day I'm not thinking, what should I make for breakfast? I'm really not trying new things here in this season. I just know I have those go-to things and 99% of the time, those are our only options. If I happen to purchase something at the store for a different breakfast, great. I'll do that for a couple of days. But the baseline automation is there and I really don't have to reinvent the wheel each week. It also seems like breakfast lends itself well to repetition. It seems like we would be more likely to get sick of eating the same four dinners all the time, but for breakfast, it doesn't bother us as much, at least for my family. Another way I have reduced decision fatigue and simplified my systems in the kitchen is to mostly just use one cookbook. I love the cookbook, The Defined Dish by Alex Snodgrass. In my opinion, her cookbook is full of the healthiest, heartiest, easiest, and most delicious recipes. She somewhat reuses similar ingredients, so once I purchased a particular ingredient, those things turn up in her other recipes, and I cut down on groceries each week. I own probably about five cookbooks, including a family cookbook from each side of our family. You can have whatever number of cookbooks works for you, obviously, but if you have some cookbooks taking up precious space in your kitchen that you literally never use, consider donating them to someone who might use them. Or take several to a used bookstore and sell them, and then get the new one that you've been wanting. For me, it's not only a matter of taking up space that I want freed up in my kitchen shelves, but it also reduces my decision fatigue when I look at the cookbooks and I reach for my go-to cookbook, instead of looking at a stack of 20 cookbooks. Besides that cookbook, lately all I have really been adding in are recipes that my friends recommend to me personally, or things that my husband and I have made for years that don't really need recipes. As much as I love digital recipes and the internet in general, sometimes looking for recipes online is a little daunting. I don't want to sift through all the reviews. I don't want to skip past all the ads. I have decided it is just easier for me to streamline making dinner by using a real cookbook. Another automation I have for myself is to prep my kitchen for the next morning, but I found out recently it works better for me if I do that before I put my kids to bed. I used to try to do that after putting them to bed, but I would be so exhausted by the time they were asleep that the last thing I wanted to do was scrub some dishes or prep my coffee. I switched this routine to right after dinner, and it has worked so much better for me. I eat with my family, then after dinner, the kids play with my husband or watch TV or whatever, and I use that independent playtime to reset everything really quick. Then we do bedtime, then the house is already at peace, so I can just enjoy that peace and quiet. And my morning and day start off more peacefully because I'm not waking up to a dirty kitchen. This is another example of changing a routine that's working, but could work better. We are not bound to the routines that we choose. You can always change them. I decided I liked starting my routine out with the coffee prepped and the dishes put away, but trying to do that after putting my kids to bed felt stressful. So I thought, how can I make this easier? I realized I wanted to be able to just sit down and rest after putting the kids to bed. So I moved up that prep time to before they went to bed, and now it feels so much easier. That's my automation now, for this season. When it feels like that's not working anymore, I'll change it. We are not stuck to our routines. We just pre-decide what we can for the season that we're in. Another thing I pre-decided is that I'm going to do grocery delivery or grocery pickup each week for my groceries for this season. I've told myself I'm saving a few hours on Sunday of grocery shopping and trading that time out for family time with my kids. I have to plan ahead and set my grocery list pickup to be ready at a time that's convenient to pick up, but it's the same amount of decision making as it would be as I walk through the aisles of the store with two toddlers. I am just deciding ahead of time and letting it be easier for me. 
I've talked about this in episode number seven, but I received an Instacart yearly subscription as a gift, and it has been a huge blessing to me, automating yet another part of my life. Giving examples is sometimes tricky because everyone's lives are so different. I hope my examples are helpful so you can see the concept played out in real life, but truthfully, these exact scenarios probably won't be the best fit for your family. Only you can really create the best systems and routines for your own family. So take these thoughts with you through the next few days or weeks. What can I let be easier? Are there rules I'm following unnecessarily? How can I automate part of that process? What are some decisions that I know I'm going to have to make later that I could just make ahead of time? What are things that happen regularly that you know you're going to have to do? Getting groceries, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready in the morning or getting ready for bed, preparing food, cleaning the house. Are there any of these particularly stressful to you? Is there something you can do to make that easier? Before I close this episode, I want to give a few methods I've learned from Atomic Habits by James Clear. It is for sure one of the best books I've ever read. It was the other one of the two books on efficiency that I posted on my Instagram stories. I will link to it here too. I highly recommend it. But in line with the content of this episode, I want to mention a couple of his tips. First, it is easier to stack a new habit on top of an old habit. So if there's something new you want to implement, tie it to something you already do. You want to start prepping your coffee pot before you go to bed? What can you anchor it to? Maybe brushing your teeth. You already do that every night. So now you tell yourself, okay, every night before I brush my teeth, I'm going to prep my coffee pot. That is easier than starting a bunch of new habits that don't fit into your routine. Anchor or stack habits with things you already do. Try to only implement a few things at a time. The second point from James Clear is that 1% better is better. I used to have a much more all or nothing attitude before I read his book. He uses lots of good ways to explain situations where 1% difference each day makes all the difference in the world. It is worth doing if it's a little bit better, even if you don't see tremendous results right away. 1% better is better. Now for the segment of this podcast called Mom Hacks, things I want to share with you guys that make mom life a little bit easier. Today, the mom hack is puffy stickers. There are fancy and kind of expensive puffy sticker packs made by Melissa and Doug, and those stickers are made to be reusable. We do have those, and I love them, and we do bring them to restaurants or places where my kids need to be still for a while. But also, you can find about 1,000 packs on Amazon for $6, and you can even find some in the Target craft section. The puffy stickers are different than regular stickers because they're raised up. They're easier for toddler fingers to peel off. I use them for a few minutes of independent play around the house. I'll pull out a package of stickers and let them put them on their storage bin for their toys or cardboard boxes we know we're going to throw away eventually, put them on their closet doors. They put the stickers on their legs and the car seat in long car rides. So far, nothing in our life has been damaged by puffy stickers. The regular stickers have that backing that kind of sticks to things sometimes, and the puffy stickers are more of a solid piece. They don't really peel off and leave that sticky part. And also, along the lines of regular stickers, you can peel off the backing of a regular sheet of stickers. It's a lot easier for toddler fingers to peel off the stickers. You would put your finger down and push it down on the sticker, then peel the backing off. And you can usually pull all of it off in one sheet so that you're holding the backing in your hand and all the stickers are still on that page. 
That makes it so much easier if your kids are doing regular stickers. But like I said, regular stickers do stick to things and sometimes don't come off very easily. Also, I wanted to tell you guys, I made a downloadable PDF of some of the basic Bible verses that I think are helpful to moms. Verses you can memorize and apply and speak out in your day-to-day. Most of them are mentioned in episode number three, Faith and Practice with Kids. That has been a favorite episode for you guys, so thank you for your positive feedback. If you want this free PDF, go to my website, CourtneyLundin.com. You will see the link for the download Bible Verses for Moms. I will also link to it in the show notes for this episode. So before we close, I would love to say a little prayer and blessing for you. Dear God, thank you so much for these listeners. I thank you that they are a blessing to their families. Thank you that you give them peace and supernatural patience and wisdom while they create and maintain efficient systems for their families. Let us have discipline to get things done and make decisions ahead of time so we can really make space for the things and people that matter most. Let us count it all as joy. Amen. If you want more of the Elevate Motherhood podcast, be sure to click subscribe on whichever platform you use to listen to this podcast. If this podcast is a blessing to you, leave a five-star review. It would mean so much to me. As always, you can find more about Elevate Motherhood on my website, CourtneyLundin.com. You can sign up for my monthly email that will include the most recent podcast episodes, scripture and encouragement, and links for things we love or talk about on the show. Thanks for being here, friends. Until next time, let's elevate motherhood.